Public speaking is listed as America's number one fear before death and loneliness. Let's just think about that. Most of us are less afraid of dying alone than of making fools of ourselves in front of others. Now imagine singing live with hundreds of millions of people watching. Well, today's Women of Impact did just that. Hired by the World Wrestling Federation in 1999, she went on to becoming one of the most recognized ring announcers in professional wrestling history. Breaking records was just a random Tuesday for her. She was the first female and Latina to ever host WrestleMania, the first announcer at WrestleMania Women's Battle Royale, and in October 2018, she announced the first ever WWE Women's Pay-Per-View event. Pitting her career first and her personal life on the back burner by deciding not to have children with her husband was an easy decision. I mean, Cyclops couldn't even compete with how laser-focused she was on her career. However, despite her historic rise, her marriage took a fall. But every story has a silver lining, and for her, it led to finally meeting and falling in love with the man of her dreams. And that's when she realized she did want children, just not with her first husband. But as life would have it, after endless attempts to conceive, they finally were told they couldn't. And it hit her harder than near Jax's leg drop. But she didn't tap out. Refusing to be defined by whether she was a mother or not, she refocused her energy, love and passion and became the first female from the wrestling world to have her own podcast, Chasing Glory. Now, with over 6 million downloads and nominated by Digital Hollywood in two categories, she peels back the layers of the world's most elite athletes and entertainers and dives deep into how they got to where they are today and the real-life challenges they have faced in making their dreams come true. A tale she's only too familiar with. So please, help me in welcoming the first and only female cage announcer for the Professional Fighters League, the woman who has graced the pages of newspapers around the globe, including the legendary Rolling Stones magazine, and the woman who has performed for pretty much every major TV sporting event in existence, from the NFL to the NBA to NASCAR and the US Open, as well as making appearances on Celebrity Apprentice, Fox and & Friends and Good Day LA. Yes, this host, keynote speaker, singer, and songwriter is just getting started. The woman, the myth, the legend, the indomitable Lillian Garcia. Wow, wow, what an entrance. I love that, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show, gal. <laughs> thank you. All right, so where I want to start with you is, you've got your first gig, you're about to go live, and they tell you you've got cue cards with you, correct? And then they say you can't take them on. Right. So you're about to, for the first time ever, Yeah. how do you not just go, oh dear God, what am I doing, and turn and run in the other direction? It's funny that you said about turn around and, and, and run in the other direction, because that's exactly what I was about to do. So, you know, I, I watched as a kid, the wrestlers. I didn't know what a ring announcer was. It was kind of somebody in the background who introduced the names, but I didn't know that that's what they call them, right? So when they hired me and they brought me on set, they're like, you're going to be ring announcing tonight. I went, oh, what's that? And they're like, you're going to be introducing the wrestlers. I'm like, wait, what? And oh yeah, by the way, you're going to go live on TV worldwide, 146 different countries, <laughs> and the arena's got 20,000 people in the arena. And I'm still going, okay, wait, is this a joke? So he's like, no, we're gonna get you prepped for <clears> each and every match. So, 
okay, I had to know the names. Then I have to know the towns. I know the weights, what kind of match is it? Um, how many? Is there going to be a tag team match? Do they hold the title? Do they not hold the title? Are there rules for the match? Like all of these things that you need to know for each one of them. So I'm literally starting to write and panicking at the same time inside, but going, I got this, I got this, you know, trying to reassure myself, right? That was 20 minutes before we go in live is when Mark, who sits next to me, looked at me and he goes, oh, oh, are these cards you think you're going to take them up there? And I went, well, yeah, these are my cue cards. He goes, oh, no, honey, I'm sorry. You can't take cue cards. Our executive producer doesn't like that. This isn't boxing. So I'm like, wait, but I don't know these people. I don't know their towns, their weights, their names, their, you know, I don't know anything. He goes, I don't know. You have to figure it out. And that's when full on panic the abort, 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 like everything, you know, went off. And it was for that mere, like 10 minutes of sweating and contemplating, get up, do I run? Get up, you, you can't do this, get up. You're gonna make a fool out of yourself, get up. You know, just everything was telling me to get up and run. And luckily 10 minutes before we went live, I remember being eight years old when my mother put me in the swim team, but I didn't know how to swim. So she put me already in a team that competes and I didn't even know how to take the first stroke. And I remembered how I conquered that and what I went through to conquer that and be able to swim and not only swim, but I competed for eight years and then I coached for two and I won many medals and all in swimming and broke records. So I just remember taking it one step at a time, one stroke at a time and I said, okay, it's one match at a time. It's one introduction at a time. And that's what you're gonna focus. So I would just look at the card and just memorize it, memorize it till I had to go up there. And I'd get up there and I'd kind of be reading it from my mind. And I know it was horrible. Like if you go back and listen, it is horrible. The cadence isn't there, right. that it is awful. Yeah. I don't even know how they asked me back the next week. But I got through it and created a 15 year career there and now in PFL. It is crazy what life can throw at you. That's amazing. And so do you think then, having had those experiences before, it's you know like kind of the um, confirmation that even when you're in those situations, you didn't die, like nothing right. like catastrophic happened. It's like, yeah, you may have made the fool of yourself, but you still survived to tell the tale. So that's like another little encouragement for you. Absolutely. And I, this is one of the things that I like to tell people is, had they told me, you know, or when they told mm -hmm. me I was gonna be ring announcer that night. Had I said, well, no, I can't do that job. I, I don't know how to do this. My life would have been completely different. Mm. But instead I went, oh, okay, well, how do you do that job? So I asked how instead of I can't. Mm. So I got as much information as I could from him and then I tapped into what have I done before that helped me tap that into what I'm yeah. doing now. So I know um, I've heard you tell the story of when you were a kid and nobody liked you so you would then yeah. force yourself on the cool kids and you would sit at their tables and you would try to like be like them and um, so talk to me about how someone goes from being this insecure you know young girl that just like a lot of young girls myself included just want to be liked want to be accepted yeah. to now you're on freaking television public television live and you're like eh, this is me and if I fail I fail like how what what does that transition look like if you like are the key moments for you that allowed you to yeah. just go all in authentically I think you said something 
just now very important in the fact about you didn't die, right? Because mm -hmm. when I first started, I'm a type A personality. I'm also like I would suffer, I say would, because it's not there anymore, thank God, but I mm -hmm. would suffer from perfectionism. Okay. I thought that I had to be perfect in order to A, be liked, or be considered doing a good job, which is why I put a lot of stress on myself when I went to school. Um, and I'm sure my mom didn't feel, was not intending this, mm -hmm. but I remember that I would do really well, A's, and B's, and then I remember bringing a C home. And she looked at me with such like disappointment, and she mm -hmm. said, well, if that's the best you can do. I'm sure she didn't say it like, <laughs> you're a horrible person, but I read it that way. Mm -hmm. I, read in, I read it as, wow, I don't ever wanna see that kind of disappointment on anyone's face, and so I got mad at myself, right? So then it spun me into perfection, perfection. Mm -hmm. and, so, and then when I, bring, I brought that to WWE, and I would sit there and I would make these announcements, and if I messed up, I was the first one to beat myself up so bad. Mm -hmm. If you could see me in the chair when I would sit at ringside, I, the whole time I'm thinking about that, that mess up, that mess up, mm -hmm. that mess up. But what ended up happening is because I was so ingrained in that, it made me mess up even more. Right. Right? Like this perfectionism is killing me. It's making me worse. It's making me feel horrible about myself. It's making the job not fun at all. I was stressed out all the time. I was like, and this is supposed to be fun, mm. right? Like, I, I, to me, I feel like life has got to be fun. What are we here for? So finally, through the work of knowing that it's boring to be perfect, it's not human to be perfect, it's more beautiful not to be perfect, it's more authentic not to be perfect. And if you do mess up, just be the first one to laugh at yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's this world that we're living in. Instagram is perfect. The perfect scenario of your life. You know, that we're, we're ruining ourselves. Yeah. What made you, though, as a perfectionist, what made you say, this isn't good for me? Because most people, including myself once upon a time, will be like, well, if I can't do it perfectly, then I'm not going to do it at all. What made you not choose that route and go, okay, this is detrimental and now I need to change it? I definitely wanted to do the job. I know that the challenge of mm -hmm. it. And um, I started really evaluating, okay, is it causing me stress because I can't get it or because I, mm. uh, I don't enjoy it? Mm. or whatever. I think that if it's causing you stress but you love it, keep at it. I think if it's causing you stress and it's something you don't even like to do, then don't do it. What about if it's causing you stress in service of something you want, okay. but the actual thing itself you don't enjoy. Yeah. Mm. Look, with Chasing Glory, when I started... Perfect example. I was doing the editing, I was doing the shooting, because thank God I went to film school, so I, <laughs> thank God <laughs> that I ended up using my degree skill, yeah. <laughs> right? So I was setting up the cameras, setting up the shots, I would push the button, I'd go and I'd you know, do a little mock-up, mm. I'd come back and I'd check it and I'd see it, and then I'd... I'd shoot it and then I'd go and I'd edit it because I learned how to edit. And then I'd um, also be booking the talent. And then I was wearing every single hat. And I remember I went to see Bedros Koulian. Mm -hmm. You know, Bedros, I love, I love him. So Bedros told me, he goes, <clears throat> you're going to burn out if you keep this up. And then you're not going to be good at anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
you're absolutely right. Now I got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So um, you went all in in your career. Um, talk to me about that. What sacrifices you did make, if you felt like they were sacrifices um, at the time, um, and then we can kind of go over to the next. Thing. When I first got in, yeah, yeah. When I first got in, I mean, sacrificing obviously having children, and I thought maybe it was because I wanted, I didn't want any for my career. Mm-hmm. So I just kept at it, and I said, well, not yet. I'm just not going to do it yet. Um, but as it went, on, so I sacrificed that. Then I found out later. It was just because I just didn't want it with my first husband. Mm. Nothing against him. Sure. It just wasn't the right fit at all. I think I sacrificed time away from him for sure. Um, but I knew the week before the wedding something wasn't right. I went through with it. Now I'm married. Mm. Get married in the Catholic Church. Okay, so it's like, okay, it's forever. Mm. But I remember my second year anniversary... I was sitting in a restaurant. I was having a complete out-of-body experience in the fact that I could see myself sitting there and seeing the sadness in my face. I was so unhappy. And I ended up moving to New York, which I, was always my dream. And I thought, great, okay, when I get here, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. I was walking the streets of New York completely just so sad. And it wasn't until I realized, I, I walked into a church and I, the, the, the priest was um, talking, it was actually a, a visiting priest, but his message, I, I instantly connected with him and his message. So right afterwards I asked him, I said, can we talk? He's like, yeah, sure. He pulls me over, floodgates open. So that's when he said, you know that the church does grant annulments, right? I was like, yeah, but I've been married for 13 years now. He's like, not every marriage is a marriage in God's eyes. And that's when I was like, whoa. It was like I'd been set free, completely set free. I had a conversation with my husband, and I just said, I just, I was so upset. And I, and I stayed for a long time because I didn't want to disappoint the nieces and nephews that I grew up with from his sister. And wow. so there were bonds in that. But I had to let that go. And it wasn't until I let that go that I became free. And I think that the biggest thing that I just really want to is listen to your gut. That's what I was going to say. So if someone's listening at home right now or watching right now and what you're saying is resonating with them. And so how do we help them see the signs or you explain like what are the things that you notice that you're like, huh, I should have seen that as a massive red flag, but I just brushed it off. So like you said, you said, I just thought it was me. I moved cities. I hear that a lot where people think that they can, if I go somewhere else, then I'm going to be different. Right. But the thing that doesn't change is you. Right. So talk me through if you've got a couple of things that, you know, are kind of signals. Well, I could tell that I didn't I wasn't ready to get married. I got married, I think it was like 21, 22. Like mm-hmm. I was still wanted to be out and be partying. And I mean, it got to the point where I didn't want him to even kiss me. And I think that's a huge sign if you don't want your significant other around you in that way, right? That's a huge, huge flag. Um, and in those moments, is that when you thought maybe it's just me? Yeah, I, I thought maybe I didn't know how to receive love. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that maybe I just, because my parents, I love them dearly, but they stayed together, but they weren't really happy, mm. you know? So I thought, well, maybe marriage is not about being happy. You know, maybe I don't know how to be happy because I've modeled myself after them. 
because now I've seen them unhappy, so it's just normal. But I just wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to get out of that. And it's just, it saddens me because he was such a great guy. That's the other thing. When they're good and you're feeling this way, that's when you feel even worse. Because it's not like he abused me. It's not like he, no. He was like, treated me as a queen. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just ungrateful. Maybe I don't know how gratitude, maybe, or taking him for granted, or maybe, ah, all of these things. And it, it wasn't that. We just didn't fit. That's all. Yeah. Just didn't fit. Wow, that's really strong. Because I think that, you know, when they're good and you turning inwards and saying, maybe it's me, like, that's a tough thing to really look at. And I love that you're just like, it was neither of us. We just weren't meant to be together no i mean he he loved me mm, profusely mm. and that was the other thing too i knew how much he loved me and i knew how much i would break his heart by leaving mm. and that was the other thing that kept me there not only was i not wanting to disappoint the nieces and the nephews and the family because the family adored me and i love them not only was i you know that but then this man is adores me and i'm gonna crush him now i felt like the worst person and human being in the world but then he thanks me to this day for letting him go. He thanks me to this day. And he said, you set me free to find someone that I didn't constantly have to, because he, on the other end, constantly felt like he had to do things like to, to keep me, mm -hmm. right? And that's a horrible the place The fear for him. almost of the losing someone. fear of losing me. And what, am I not good enough? What more can I do? What more can I do? What more can I do? There's nothing more that he could have done. So he goes, you set me free from that roller coaster. I felt like I was gonna be awful by letting him go, but in fact, it was the most, the best blessing for both of us. That's, did you have any fear of being alone when you've been married it, for so long? Yes. And like you said, he's your best friend. He's your best friend, I, absolutely. Um, and that's what, when my husband and I, I mean, it was pretty quick. I, I freaked out in the fact like it was so quick from one to the other. Oh, interesting. But, it was funny because we dated for five years before we got married because I was just like, oh, slow down, slow down. Like everything, you know, I just got this and then this. Um, I couldn't even call my boyfriend for the longest time. And then we dated for four years, got engaged. Then we, you know, got married at five years. So at what point then did you realize you guys wanted to have children? So you had put it off um, for the, you know, an incredible career. I mean, you're singing, you're doing these amazing events in front of just millions of people. Um, and then you meet the man of your dreams and now yeah. you realize you want to have kids. Yeah, we actually, uh, we went through pre-Cana right before that. So that was six months before. Mm. And that's when you talk about all of these things that you probably haven't even talked about during your dating. Oh, like, how are you going to raise the kids if you have kids, you know? And things that literally, maybe when you're dating, it's kind of like, I'm not going to bring this up, right. you know? But it's like couple therapy. Yeah. Beforehand, to make sure, have you covered this? Have you discussed this? Have you discussed this? And how do you feel about this? Like, let's talk about everything up front before you get married so that there's no surprises <laughs> once you do get Makes married. Makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. So we did that. And when we went to him, we said, well, we were both, because he was married to us, and we were both married beforehand. So how do we do this? How do we um, go into our marriages and feel like virgins? Mm -hmm. And he goes, start right now abstaining as of now. 
And we both looked at each other like, oh, that's six months from the wedding for now. (laughs) He's like, you can do it, find other ways, play games, whatever. And so we made a commitment. We're like, okay, we're going to abstain. And it was really amazing. We did all of these game, board games, this thing, we movies. Like we just did all of these things in conversations. Mm. We had so many conversations. So it actually set us up in such a, a beautiful way before the wedding. So we were like, okay, as of when we get married, that's it. We're not using protection and let's just have kids and see what happens. And we start right then, we start uh, trying to have kids and it just didn't work. Mm. And the biggest sacrifice that I've made is not having children early enough when I could have, right? I was thinking about, do I regret that though? And I go, you know what, I don't. Um, Now at the time, was it hard? Yes, because the decision was made for me, I didn't get to make it. Mm-hmm. So that was like, oh, what do you mean I can't have jo- I can't decide that? You know, fate has decided mm-hmm. that. And then the more we were processing, the more we were like, okay, um, things were always meant to be for a reason. Mm-hmm. So let's find other ways to be around children, which is what we've done, mm-hmm. right? Um, we moved to LA. I did some hosting stuff here, but then... I um, got invited by WWE to for SummerSlam. They were having it here, and they invited me to the party. And it was the, uh, my boss had said, whenever you're ready to come back, you let me know. Mm-hmm. And I was in that place of, now I have no children. My husband's at work. I'm doing some work, but not like enough where it's fulfilling me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if I did go back? And so I, I made the call to him and I was like, mm, so how serious were you that? And he's like, oh my God, so serious. Like, absolutely, we'll have the papers. And literally within two weeks, I was back at work. And then I stayed for another five years before my father got mm. sick. But I'm glad I came back. I didn't realize how much unfinished business I had at WWE. Emotionally? Emotionally, yes. Because I also, there were things in those two years that I had worked on that I felt still the scars of being bullied. So when I got joked at 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 work, instead of me taking it as a ha-ha, I took it as a dig. And so when I went back, I remember I came back a different person because I'd done so much work in those two years on myself. So it was like I felt a completely different person and it showed people saw me differently and now I had more fun. Interesting. I had more fun. I was more relaxed. The jokes back, you know, whatever, mm. I, I laugh right at them. And I'd realize that they're joking around me because they, they love me and they're just teasing mm. me, right? It wasn't the kids back in school teasing me. What were the things you did then in those two years that got you to that place? I went to Personal Success Institute. So it was a, a weekend that um, opened my eyes to a lot of things and a lot of things that I was doing and a lot of things that my past were holding me back from. How did they do that? Oh my God, they do it through a bunch of different exercises. It's the most eye-opening, crazy weekend and you you will go, the roller coaster that you're gonna go on is unreal. But the unmasking of, oh, now I get why I do this and this and this makes sense and oh my God, I didn't realize I was doing this and I'm, you know, or I'm holding you for telling me something when it's actually, you're triggering something that happened here and it's just seeing life in a whole different way. <clears throat> so <clears throat> from that, they have what's then called size seven. So you go seven days in a ranch 
put your phones away and they have a lot of different exercises that you do there. Some of them are in classrooms, some of them are out, some of them are trusting, like I'll never forget they had the trust fall. And they have a lot of people that are down on the ground and they're there to hold you, you know, to catch you. Mm -hmm. And you just have to fall backwards and trust. And they have someone that's up there going, okay, what is it that you don't trust in your life? Like you're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy how it will come to you when you're up there. And at first I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And I went, God, I didn't trust God. I was having a problem going, why don't I have kids? Why is this? Why is that? Why is that? Have you forgotten me? Have you, are you too busy for me? Do I not matter? It was endless things that I was, and it was all God. And so crying, crying, crying. And then finally, when he talked me through all of that, because there's a whole way that they talk you through that, then you, you know, cross your hands, just fall back. And then from size seven, went to uh, women's leadership for 10 days. Oh my God. Talk about, this was all women. Women, I don't like women. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually want to talk about. I'm going to hold on to that yeah. pin in it, but I definitely yeah. want to go talk. But remember, they're the ones that bullied me mm-hmm. so bad, right? So um, all of a sudden, here I met with a room full of women for 10 days. Man, I cried, I sweated, I this and I that, and I I almost left and that, and then I, I pushed through. And then the experience that I had at the end of that was I love women. I have a new relationship with women. You guys weren't the ones that bullied me. It's almost like when a, when a boyfriend does something to you and you break up and then the next one is paying for what that first boyfriend did. Yeah. That's what I was doing to women. So that's exactly what I was doing to women. Um, I think all of those things help so much. Mm in the mindset shift 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 and it's a continuous work Mm -hmm. so for you what were those like what are the things that you do on a daily since then that allows you to go into spaces now with women and with um people that may tease you quote unquote and still and be okay with it i look at women now in the eyes before i didn't look at women in the eyes Mm. i also made up stories beforehand of what that person was going to think of me and it was always a negative story. And I always end my podcast, remember to always be yourself and trust that it's enough. Mm. I step into that. I have to be myself. Because when I was faking it before, when I was trying to be what I wasn't, I was miserable. I was so miserable. So now I'm like, look, this is me. Mm. This is me. You like it, great. If you don't like it, it has nothing to do with me. It's you and maybe I remind you of somebody that you didn't like, mm-hmm. and, right? It's this vicious cycle, right? So, but I do look at women in the eyes now. I acknowledge them. I also make it more about them. It's more about not necessarily what do you think of me as how can I make you feel? Mm. How can I make you feel important? Because that's what I was lacking. But Lisa, I'm telling you for like the first 10 years of my career when I was at WWE, when they would say my name coming down, because I would make an entrance, right? And they're like, here's your raw ring announcer, Lillian Garcia. I would cringe when I heard my name. Cringe. Why? Because I remembered the girls that picked on me saying, I overheard them going, Lillian this and Lillian that and Lillian. So my name. Whoa. Yeah. So whenever I would hear my name, I could hear them going, Lillian. So for me, it was almost like the announcer was like, oh, 
Lillian Garcia. Who does she think she is? That's what I heard. Wow. So I had to go back and deal with that scenario of what happened to me in middle school, what happened to me in high school. I think that a lot of people, when you don't deal with those things that have, that have haunted you or that have really affected you, they will linger. They're going to show up in every aspect of your life. Have you read the book A Billion Wicked Thoughts? No, so it sounds intriguing. It is. It's actually quite old now. I think it's like 10 years old or something, but Tom just brought it on my radar, so I started to read it. And it talks about um, people's thoughts, men versus women, and like our sexuality, and how we like certain things, like women, the type of porn women like, compared to the type of porn men like, and why. Okay. And it really breaks it down about just the, the, emo- the thoughts that people have. Yeah. Um, and it really does... Um, it's incredible to see how much is imprinted from a young age. Yeah. How much of who we are today is yep. imprinted. Oh, yeah. And I'm always talking about growth and change and evolution. But still, that even yeah. that, like like what you were saying, like I absolutely still have a little thing where I got teased at school and I was bullied at school. And so now if Tom teases me, for some reason it's not as bad with any, anyone else. Okay. But if Tom teases me, yeah. it still upsets me. mm and get, you get triggered. I get triggered. Yeah. And so going back to like, how much work have I tried to do over these last 10 years of my you know, yeah. growth? And that's still to this day, an imprint that I had at the age of you know, seven or eight years old still carries with me. But I understand that because remember the A's and the B's? Like I, mm. I said, I have to make an A because it was the thing that um, stamp of approval, mm-hmm. right? You're good enough mm. with that A. And maybe not, now I'm thinking about it, maybe it is because I couldn't get accepted as a human as far as like with the girls and liking me, maybe maybe just that made me okay by my work. Mm-hmm. Right? And maybe that's why work has become so important to me. Who knows? Whoa. Whoa, just figure that one out. <laughs> that was like a real time yeah. revelation. So maybe right that's why work is so important, mm. right? But I, I know that there's a time that, he, and he didn't even mean to say it. He just said, we were doing this shoot and I was exhausted. I was so exhausted. And we were doing it over and over, commercial. And I was like, babe, I th- we've got like five takes. I'm sure that the editor is going to be able to put this together and make it just flawless. And he's like, no, I want you to do your job. I want you to do it good. I want you to do this. That triggered me. And I said, do my job. Really? But he wasn't really going, do your job because you're really awful. That's the way I read it because of my A's and my, you know. Mm. So I think that when you identify why did that trigger you, then go, okay, it had really nothing to do with him. Because in a normal circumstance, I'll go, yeah, I know I'm trying to do my job. I'm just, mm. oh, I'm just tired, right? I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have even affected me. Well, it starts triggering you because you're somehow in there believing it because it got implemented mm-hmm. early. The things that we get triggered, it is because somehow we believed it in the past somewhere. So when you get triggered, you get affected by something, really try to go, why did I get triggered? Dissect it. And then that way you could put a whole new meaning to it. Hmm, that's great. How did you get triggered? So... 
the WWE, at least when you started, was such a male-dominated sport. Oh, yeah. Um, now there's a lot more women, which is lovely to see. But yes. when you started, you were like one of the first. Um, were there women wrestlers back there then? There were women wrestlers. China but, was there. Right, yeah. but no... But no uh, commentators. Right. Right, and I was the first from outside the wrestling world right. to get hired. So talk yeah, to me about that. Like, did you get triggers and was, was there something that you... Like, did you handle yourself differently in front of the men? Um, what was it like being in that atmosphere? Well, at first it was awful because I wasn't told to shake hands with everybody. Like, you're supposed to go up to everyone, even if they're in a conversation. Mm. He goes, excuse me, I'm Lillian. Nice to meet you, I'm Lillian, whatever. I thought opposite. These two people are in a conversation. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels in a conversation? walking by I'm not gonna say a word the rocks over there in the corner do you think I'm gonna go right up to the rock and go hi my name is Lillian Garcia like okay I'm just gonna stay over here stay out of the way well what ended up happening they don't know that I haven't been told to do that they don't know that I haven't that been given the etiquette right so they're thinking who's this stuck-up girl who can't even say hello oh she must not respect our industry right so they're creating their own scenarios I'm creating my own scenario. So now when the two of us are together and I'm going to do some backstage interviews with them, it's pretty tense when I'm doing these interviews. And these guys are big and I'm here and I'm, you know, and they're just like, you know, who is this girl? And we'll see how long it lasts. Um, so it was a really hard. So all of that that had happened to me in middle school and high school came back right then. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard. But little by little, I got better at my job. I went and studied like crazy. Well, that's the A in you, the perfectionist. You got it. I, I memorized the weights. I memorized the towns. I memorized, like, I got such an improvement from week to week. And I also think, though, your dedication to the craft, yeah. right? Like, they say proof is in the pudding. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they just think you're a fraud and you could have taken it to heart, you could have got emotional, you could have, you know, um, said, I'm not doing this, throw up your hand. Right. But instead focusing on the craft and, you know, the Steve Martin quote, um, be so good they can't ignore you. Like, I so love that. It is so true. And that's, I think, exactly what you did, right? Going in day after day and showing that you're committed to the task to then get other people's respect. I think that's exactly what's happened now as well at MMA. Mm. So talk to me about that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, being the only female right now in the combat sports, I mean, it's, it's insane. It's also something I very much cherish as a female. Um, feels very empowering, great. And when they asked me, though, they were a little hesitant. They weren't sure, hmm. you know, can she pull this off? Can she make the transition from the WWE where it's scripted, you know, mm-hmm. into MMA where it's not scripted? And I didn't realize how different the introductions were going to be till I got there. Um, but I took it serious. I went there and I was like, okay, you guys, have, I, I, who do I go to to teach me? I, be the first one to be, again, authentic. I don't know everything in this field. I'm not going to walk in like, yeah, I did 15 years of WWE, so now I got this. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's like, holy cow, it's almost like I'm starting over again. Please help me. But I, that organization has set me up to win mm. so big from just, A, believing in me, um, great atmosphere. You got this. You can do this encouragement. 
it's just so phenomenal, the transition, that I feel like that's why I'm now succeeding in MMA. Mm -hmm. And then the fighters are seeing how much I'm into their introductions. I love to do it. It's almost like I'm the ringmaster, right? And I'm giving these huge introductions to these guys that are about to kill each other. You know, this is big. And even the critics. The critics have given me... MMA fans and the, the critics of MMA have given me great kudos. Um, you know, and it's just, it's so empowering when you put your hard work and then people are recognizing. And you gotta have the heart. Yeah. You gotta love what you're doing. When you love what you're doing, you're gonna put in the mm-hmm. work. And it does take work. I think people are, are in this world trying to get the easy buck, easy this, easy that. Even for, for example, podcasting, right? Um, sponsors that come on. There's so many people that are like, oh, give me your product and or Instagram and I'll just promote it. I get calls. I get offers mm-hmm. like, will you promote this? Will you promote that? And no, sorry. I'll pass on a lot because authentically, I don't believe in the product. Why? And so my heart's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. So if my heart's not going to be there and I can't like authentically go, this stuff is amazing. It's going to look totally fake. You can see right through it. And do you keep that attitude throughout your entire career? Because the one thing I wanted to ask you about is being a female and aging in front of the camera. Thank God you're bringing this up. Um, So yeah, talk to me about that. Okay. I'm very adamant right now and, and almost like want this to be part of my platform to encourage people, especially women, to stop lying about their age. Stop it. Making a disservice to yourself, like, embarrassed? Okay, so I'm 53. God damn! (laughs) Shut the F up, are you really? You didn't know? (laughs) What? Okay, sorry, I don't mean to derail us. It's okay, no, I appreciate it, thank you. Thank you. But I got instilled in me from my mom, who is a, you know, from that mentality of back then, everything is a lie, lie, lie. Women don't talk about their Mm -hmm. age, this and that, right? So she constantly was instilling in me, lie about your age, lie about your age. They won't like you if they know you're a different number. They will judge you. They were this, they were that. And sure enough, I turned 23 and I was with a record producer and he asked me how old I was and I said 23 and he goes, we're going to make you 21 at 23 years old. And I started looking at this and I'm like, oh, that felt horrible, right? Then I get in WWE at 33. They're asking me, nobody really asked me how old I was, but I think some of the girls or whatever. So because of that experience, I was like, yeah, 23. Oh, interesting. So you oh, lied. Oh, yeah. So I did. Oh, I did. Okay. So I lied, right? Horrible, horrible, horrible. Like stomach this. What if they find out? The constant, oh, constant yeah. anxiety, constant anxiety. Like I got to start owning who I am. So the more years go by, I started thinking about it this way. Roddy, Roddy Piper, he passed away. So sad. Um, I went to his funeral. At his funeral, his, his family spoke, and they said, like, I think he was 62 when he passed away, if I remember correctly. He didn't want anyone to know that he was 62 years old. It really, aging bothered him profusely. Mm-hmm. He felt like fans wouldn't love him anymore. He felt like he didn't have any more purpose, yada, yada. But the first thing that I remember everyone telling or saying when he died was, ah, oh, 62, how young. That was the first thing out of everybody's mm-hmm. mouth. And what it clicked in me is, wow, 
He was considered young dead, but old alive. And that's when I said, at 53, if I die tomorrow, they would say, how young? You've just given me the chills, girl. So if I'm young at 53 dead, I am more than young alive. I do not consider myself old. I've got so much to do here, and I will not apologize for the gift of a birthday that you're not guaranteed your next birthday. I will not apologize and be like, Thank you, God, for giving me another life, but I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to mm. celebrate it. I don't want to, you gave me another year, but oh man, no way. Ooh, I made it. That's what every birthday to me is now, is I made it another year. Let's go. What can I learn this year? What did I learn that I can pass forward? I wouldn't go back to 20s, 30s, or 40s. I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want somebody to take that away from me. Mm-hmm. If somebody said, you can go back, but you got to take everything you've learned, everything you've been through, everything I... No, but do I take care of myself? Yes. Do I still think it's important to go to the gym, to eat well, to eat... I No preservatives. That's a huge anti-ager. Do I watch everything that goes in for anti-inflammatory, for uh, you know anything like that? Yes, but do I go crazy with freaking injections and lips and lips and this and that just so that I can appear younger? No, if somebody wants to feel better, they wanna do that because somehow it makes them feel better. Okay, it's your choice. But if you're doing it because you're scared of this wrinkle or, or your lips are a little less plumpy than that, please. Be yourself and trust that it's enough. We don't need everybody to look the same. We don't need everybody to not have expression on their face, mm. you know, and just embrace it. it, it the biggest thing here to, to like cap this off, yeah. we're apologizing for something that we're all going to be there. If we live, we're all going to get there. So we're also making the older feel worse about mm. themselves. It's something that we are training through the years, but guess what? Remember when JLo had to, like, everyone's making fun of her butt, and now it's all about the butt and the injections and the this and that, you know, implants and all that. You remember when Hollywood, you couldn't say you were dating someone, you couldn't say yeah. you were married, much less have a baby bump. It's all about the baby bump, it's all about this. Remember when you had to hide and you couldn't say you were gay? Now it's all about liberation, gay. Well, guess what? We have to talk about this because this is still an avenue that people are hiding. You have to be the first one to go, I'm 44, I'm 53, I'm 62, I'm 75, and I'm going. Whatever your age, you have to do it and stop this embarrassment. For what? Mm. For living? For being given a gift? But it has to start with you. It has to start with you. And now guess what? I use it as a platform because I don't have to compete with the 20 and 30s and whatever, even sponsors. I go, wouldn't you want me to be the one to actually promote your anti-aging cream <laughs> versus a 20-year-old? <laughs> That's a really good point. has no wrinkles? Yeah. How's a 20-year-old gonna go, this works great. Mm. Well, of course it works great. You're 20, mm-hmm. you know? But at 53, if I can say, this really works amazing, you guys are gonna see a difference or whatever, now I'm more believable. Now I don't have to compete. Mm. But it's all because I didn't lie. Woo. Wow. <laughs> that was fire. Like, utter fire. And I think it also all, like, it doesn't, it's not just about the men. Like, it's the women that have the judgment on each other of yes. their age. Yes. Um, so I actually don't even think it's a, you know, um, just the male thing. I think it's women need to be okay with each other, each other. and not judge each other on their age. Right. Um, 
And even like in me saying, oh my God, you look amazing. You don't look your age. I like almost worry about saying that because it's like, but even if you did look your age, that's fine too. It, Do you know what I mean? So too. it's like, you, you want to like be congrat, like, oh my God, you look amazing. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, I don't want to say, well, even if you look your age or even if you look older than your age, it's not about, like that doesn't make you less of a person. That doesn't make you less beautiful, less smart, less um, knowledgeable, right. less impactful. Um, less and so human. I, less human. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that I think we're obsessing over we're more and more and more and more. And it's, Literally, until we can get a grasp of this and look at ourselves perspective. Life is, everything is perspective, mm -hmm. right? If you change your perspective, you will change everything. So that's why I said, if I'm considered young dead, I'm young, more than young alive. That's changing the perspective. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a little bit more wrinkles, you've earned them. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Now, when you say I look great, that's a compliment because it also shows me that, hey, my hard work of getting up at five in the morning or six in the morning to go to the gym and also sacrificing not having, you know, cake every single day or, you know, taking care of my body, taking care of products that I put in myself so I don't have inflammation and all. Are you saying, wow, it's worth, it's paying off. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But if I do, I do have more wrinkles now than I did before. Of course I do. Right. But it's okay too. Yeah. I've been on here for 53 years. We just have to empower each other. Yeah. We really do. And stop this game of not only lying us, but making someone else feel bad Yeah. for how long they've been on earth. Cause that's all it's calculating by the way. Yeah. And Tom and I actually say like, I can't wait to see him be a bag, a, um, like a bag of wrinkles because it means that I've been together with him for that long. And it means we've got that much history together yeah. and I know that it will come. And you know, same for him. It's like, we enjoy each phase in our relationship for what it is. And when we're a big bag of wrinkles, I want to be able to say, wow, like this wrinkle is like, we, we've grown up together. We've got history together. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing as well, is the older you are, the more history you have. And there's so much beauty in that. Yeah. Well, that's why I said, I don't want to go back and literally, I remember that phrase. When I did those, those side courses, somebody said to me at the end, okay, I know these were expensive because some of them were expensive, but everything that you learned from this, if you had to bag it up and give it back, and I'll give you your money back. Would you take it? And I went, no way. What I have learned from myself, everything that I've gotten through, like all, all of, you know, unpacking all of this mess in here that was in there and the cobwebs and the mindset that was suffering and the anxiety and all of that. So I had to give that back. Was, no way. So it's the same thing here. If somebody said everything you've learned from now to 53 years, if you had to bag that up and give it back so that you could be 20 again, would you? I'm like, no, no, the wrinkles are worth it. Like mm. it's the cost of getting older is worth it. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I love more it, to girl. Yeah. It was amazing. It's so amazing. Um, where can people find you? Ah, yes. Yeah. So at Lillian Garcia on Instagram and Twitter, Chasing Glory, which I'm so proud of. Congratulations. Thank you. That's no joke. Six thank million you. downloads, girl. Yeah, and just the fact that it's been nominated now and everything, mm -hmm. I'm just so proud of it. Uh, Chasing Glory is at Chasing Glory on Instagram. And then we also have Chasing Glory's on videos as well. So it's uh, youtube.com slash Lillian Garcia. And uh, Lonely Garcia official fan page on Facebook. Perfect. Yeah. We'll put all the links in the description as well. Awesome. Um, and what is your superpower? What is my superpower? Yeah. Being authentic.
Yeah. You didn't even have to think about that. That yeah. was like it, it it really does come to as soon as I started just being myself, it everything is just come into place and and I'm realizing people do like me and but more so I like me by being myself. And that's the biggest thing is as I could actually look in the mirror at the end of the day and go, I was a good person, I made somebody smile, I was authentic, I was myself and I helped, I helped by, by being that. So that's my superpower. Guys, go check her out. She's absolutely amazing. And like I said earlier, if you haven't heard her sing, just Google her. Like her voice is like an angel. It's so beautiful. Um, and go check out her podcast. Um, if you're not subscribed, click that subscribe button down there, guys. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, go be the hero of your own life. Peace out.